Thank you for joining our broadcast today at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Please take a minute to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us bring God's word to other people. You can go to our website at citylifechurch.cc to find the giving options that works best for you. Now in today's message, Pastor Tony will be delivering an encouraging word that we know is going to touch your life. We pray that you listen with expectation, believing that everything you need from God, he's going to do it. Enjoy today's message. You know, a few weeks ago, I began to read before we started this series. And I found out that the number one killer in America is heart disease. They call it the silent killer because many people have heart disease and it's undetected. And we've been talking the last several weeks about the condition of our heart, not the small muscle in your chest that pumps blood throughout your body, but the core of our being, the very essence of really who we are. And I would say there is a silent killer in the body of Christ. And it's taking people out because there are things that are undetected. And we've talked this last few weeks, and we've read that... God blesses those in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, that have a pure heart. The Bible says they will see God. And anytime you ever get a glimpse of who he is, you really are seeing a mirror of who he desires us to be in the earth. He desires us to show forth his attributes, his goodness, his likeness. It says God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Your Bible may say this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If I were to go to a doctor, and we've talked about this the last several weeks, and I were to receive a heart checkup, they would ask me three questions. They would ask me my family history. And in my family, we have a history of heart disease. My father at a young age had a pacemaker put in, had multiple heart attacks in his early 30s. And I would tell them that about my father and share that my grandfather had heart issues, and they would write that down, and it would help them evaluate me better. How many of you understand your family and the settings and the culture in which you've been raised many times is so important in the cultivating of your heart? Because I've heard people say things like this, well, you know, I'm just from the South. And it gives them an excuse for things that are contrary to the nature of God. Just because you're from the Deep South gives you no pass on racism. Just because you've been raised in a culture where that is maybe accepted in some ways gives you no pass. Just because you've been raised in a culture of poverty gives you no pass to not believe God for greater places, greater things. Because he wants to break that spirit of poverty in your life and release you into God's purpose, promise, and prosperity. And when you understand your family history, the surroundings, the settings, the culture, the influences in your life have much to do with the shaping of your heart. They would ask me about my diet. And in this sermon, I have been convicted and I'm going on a diet. I've been on a diet. I'm on this perpetual diet. Yeah, the problem is everything I like is bad for me. I told you, I don't know why a Big Mac's not good for you. It has special sauce. You know, I 
All the stuff I like seems to be bad for me. They would ask me about my diet. What am I feasting upon? Is it good for my heart? Or or is it something that will work against me becoming healthy or being healthy? There are things in your diet, in your spiritual diet, once you take them in, they will reproduce. And what we take into our life will reproduce and it will manifest and it will come for your diet. What you're consuming is so important. Then they would ask me about the activity of my life. Is the activity... And the activity that I'm partaking, do I work out? Do I walk? Do I run? Is my activity conducive to a healthy heart? I am telling you this, the activity you participate in will either propel you or derail you. It will either build you up or tear you down. The influences in your life, what you take into your life, it'll either position you for the purpose and the destiny of the kingdom, or it will isolate you, sidetrack, and destroy you. But when you understand that there is something that God has placed in you and you truly get a revelation of it you begin to value it that's why the bible tells me to guard my heart in proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says guard your heart above all else from it determines the course of your life one one translation says everything in your life flows from your heart and when you understand that god wants us to guard our heart when do we guard our heart in every season if you're in a mountain type experience right now, guard your heart. Because on the mountain, it's easy to get prideful. I did this. This is me. Guard your heart. In your low moments, guard your heart because it's easy to get isolated. Nobody sees what I'm walking through. Self pity. God doesn't even know where I'm at. Guard your heart. When you're just on cruise control and you're just kind of going through life. No highs, no lows. You're just kind of sailing. Guard your heart because you can become apathetic. And then it becomes in. Not long ago, I was in D.C. It was around the time of the inauguration. And uh, Pastor Casey was here. They were in worship practice. And we had a thief break in our house. And still thousands. I was at Mike McDermott. We were sitting at a hotel in D.C. And I got a call that my house had been broken into thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff and a lot of stuff that's really no value, worth nothing to anyone else, just valuable to us because it's family. They ransacked our house. It looked like a bomb went off. I flew home. You know, I found out the thief that stole from us took an opportune time when I was gone. My home was not guarded. He didn't call and make an appointment. He didn't say, well, you guys be home next Tuesday. I want to come by and pick up some stuff. (laughs) It may sound humorous. It wasn't humorous now or at the time. It really was an invasion of our property, of our territory. You know, it really took some time to get through it because you realize somebody ransacked, went through all kinds of stuff. But but here it is. He didn't call the office, talk to my assistant and say, when when can I, as a good time? No, he came at a time when my home was not guarded, when I was out of place, when no one was there and he broke in. That's the way the enemy is. He comes in in moments of your life when you're not guarded. You may be at a high moment where you're walking around and you're off guard because things are going well. Or maybe in a low moment where you feel isolated. Or maybe life is just on cruise control and you just are kind of sailing through, going through the motions and you're kind of apathetic and the enemy comes in. And there 
there are some real enemies of the heart. And we've talked about some of those. We talked about how, how guilt is an enemy of the heart. Friend, if you confessed it and repented of it, let it go. You are not built or wired to carry guilt. You are not built or wired to carry the shame of sin or those things. If you've let it go, if you've repented of it, let it go. We talked about how greed is an enemy of the heart. I'm telling you, God loves to bless people that are a conduit of his blessing. People that he can get it to and get it through. He will not bless you if all you ever are is a reservoir and all you do is receive. God does not bless stingy people. That's a good word for somebody right there. Nudge your neighbor, say, he's preaching to you. No, don't, I'm joking. I felt a witness on the front row right here. See, the fourth service gets everything, you know, I'm just... We talked about God working through our hearts as we become generous. Anger is an enemy of the heart. Unresolved issues that lie deep. I told you, the more you bury stuff, the dirtier you get. Because you just dig it back up and then you rebury it. And it becomes almost a filter in which we live life through. And some of us, we just become ticking time bombs. Just waiting to explode at the wrong, and it happens at the red light. In the school line. In a heated exchange with your spouse. All of a sudden, because we've been hurt, we begin to hurt others. Anger is an enemy of the heart. Jealousy is an enemy of the heart. And we can all become jealous and think, why did that happen with them? Why are they blessed like that? You know, I've been working. I've been, I told you a few weeks ago, sometimes you just have to, the Holy Spirit comes in. I was at a red light looking at social media. And I'm telling you, this world of social media we live in where people have filtered things 19 times and you're looking in a filter world when you're living in a real world and you're trying to compare your real world to a filter world and this self-comparison sets in and all of a sudden you're trying to live your life and judge it and base it on what somebody else has or what the way someone else is living. I'm sitting there, I saw a pastor move in this massive building and for a moment, I thought, how did he get that building? I know that guy. Wasn't any of these pastors. <laughs> but I thought, how did he get that? In a minute, I'm thinking, you know, the Holy Spirit convicted me. It said, who are you to tell me who I bless, how I can bless them, what they deserve, and God being my witness, I laid my hands on my phone because that was the picture I was looking at. I said, Father, I pray you bless this man. I pray you bless his church, his congregation. Forgive me, Father, for being envious. Uh, forgive me. I'm telling you, every one of us, every one of us have moments in our journey while we're human. Pride is an enemy of the heart. I believe pride is really the root of all sin. It's when you come to a place and you think you've got it and you're too big to repent and you're beyond falling. The Bible said pride always sets me up for a fall. It always sets me on a path to destruction. It always takes me down a road that I cannot get back. But the Bible says humility elevates me. And when I walk in a spirit of humility, it's like getting on an escalator at the mall. Have you ever got on an escalator and once you stepped on, you had to pull yourself up by a rope? No. 
The minute you get on the escalator, it just takes you up to another level. Some of you need to step into the vehicle of humility because it will take you up to another level and it will just keep carrying you to higher places and greater places. I find that when these enemies of the heart try to battle against me and I'm not on guard, they they do damage. Sometimes they, they don't just take me out right away, but they just begin to cause my heart to be slower and slower. And then I, I fail to dream and I fail to see and I fail to become all that God is, is designing me to become, Jesus began to tell us this in Matthew chapter 13. He begins to talk to this group of disciples, and we've talked over the last several weeks about how he took this ragtag group of men, and he remolded them, refashioned them. I told you Peter could never say the right thing, but once Jesus changed his heart, see, Peter didn't have a mouth problem, he had a heart problem. Because the Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouthpiece. Wasn't it something that God chose Peter to be the mouthpiece of Pentecost? Why? Because when he reconditions your heart, the right stuff comes out. When he reconditions your stuff, the right stuff flows out of you. In the beginning, never say anything right. But now he opens his mouth. And what comes out of him bursts a New Testament church. I'm telling you, God will recondition your, your heart and amaze you at what he will do. But he's teaching this group. And Jesus was not a farmer. Jesus did not come to teach on cultivation of land and grounds and farm. He came to condition and cultivate the human heart. And he began to teach in a parable, a story, because he knew if they could see it, they could grasp it. The Bible says the same day Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. Matthew 13 and 1, they're putting on the screen, thank you. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, he then told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he went scattering seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because of the soil, but it was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, which it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. He's talking to a group of disciples in a multitude, and he's been working with them now for a season. From the very first miracle, he shows them what goes in is not always what comes out. He's teaching them that if the seed is planted right, It produces a harvest well beyond what you can expect. And he tells them about these four types of soil, which I believe represent four types of heart and people. First was a hard heart. He said it was sown on a path that had been trampled upon, and it was hard. The seed could not penetrate the soil, so therefore it could not take into the soil and reproduce it. Literally, birds and things came and snatched up the seed. Some of us in this room, and maybe watching online, there's a hardness in your heart. And the Holy Spirit wants to soften that heart, and he wants to come in and plant seeds that will produce a harvest. But maybe you've been trampled on. Maybe your heart's been trampled on. Maybe life is trampled over you, and the heart of your heart is a condition and it represents all of the things you've been through. He said the seed could not penetrate the soil because it was hard. Then he said the next one, he said it was not a hard heart. He said it was a shallow heart. He said it was not deep. There are people I meet all the time. They live in a shallow world. Conversations are shallow conversation. Relationships are shallow relationship. Their world is a shallow world. It looks good on the surface, but they're not very deep. They said that's 
seed went in. And for a moment it looked like it was growing, but it was only growing on the surface. And the minute that the heat came and the pressure came, it began to wither and began to die. Why? It could not root itself. That's why the Bible tells me that when I planted like a tree by the river of water of life, that in due season, if I faint not, I will bear fruit and produce a harvest. Some of us are living at a surface level and God wants to recultivate our heart so that the deep things of God can be rooted in us and so that the harvest can be great well beyond what we expected. But then he said, there's a crowded heart, a cluttered heart. He said, it's crowded. When a seed is planted, it goes in. But there's so many things around it, it begins to choke it out. Friend, I am telling you, if there are too many voices in your life, if there are too many influences in your life, if there's too many things in your life, they will literally begin to silence the voice of God and the seed that God desired to plant in you. I love the story of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, it starts out, Jeremiah, you're a mighty prophet. Me, I'm just a young man. Oh, you're a mighty prophet. I see it. Matter of fact, I knew you before you knew you. I knew you before you had a name, a bank account, an overdraft, whatever it is you have, I knew you. I knew you. You're a prophet. You're going to build and declare and change a generation. Jeremiah chapter 29, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Give you health, the future, an end, hope, expectation. I love that. That was just for Jeremiah's. It was the people of God. Now watch. Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah chapter 29. I know that was a general word for the people of Israel, but it's also for Jeremiah. He is part of this group. Jeremiah chapter 18, God says, let's go to the potter's house. Because from, if you're going to get from 1 to 29, there's got to be the right influences in your life. If you're going to get to the perfected plan and the plan that has an end and a hope, you've got to understand about the power of the potter's house. And he takes him to the potter's house and he sees some things. He sees a lump of clay, a basin of water, a tablet that would spin so that the potter could put his hand and the pressure and the resistance could form the clay, a basin of water that when added would soften the clay at the right time, a fire that would heat the clay to harden it for life. But the one revelation Jeremiah had was this. Nothing happened in the potter's house unless the potter did it. The wind, the wheel never spun by itself. The fire never stoked itself. The water never jumped out of the basin onto the, onto the clay by itself. And here's what you have to understand. Sometimes the wheel spins fast. And I feel like the world is spinning out of control. But if I really have the revelation that I'm in his hands and it's his foot working the wheel, I know everything is going to be all right. Sometimes I water her, the word is washing me where I feel like I'm about to drown. But if I know it's his hand applying the water so it, it makes me soft and moldable, I know that it's going to be all right. Sometimes the fire is hotter. I'm telling you, if somebody sold you the bill of goods that when you became a Christian, nothing bad would would ever happen again. If they told you that once you became a Christian, you would never have a problem or a care, they lied. And at worst, they were misinformed. But I am telling you this, the Bible said it's through that perseverance that I begin to grow. It's through that trial that I learn that the potter is molding me and shaping me and better days are in my future and greater days are still in store. And when I realized, he said, Jeremiah, there's a plan. You're a prophet, but you have to understand the power of my forming and my molding in your life. And if you will let me mold you in the house of Israel, I've got a plan that's beyond what you ever expected. And sometimes every 
voice around us, it begins to mold us. The things that shape us in life are transforming us not into the likeness of God, but they are transforming us into the image of something that is not of God. And it may seem good, but not every good thing is a God thing. There are some good things that are not God things for you. They may be good. They're just not God things for you. But I will tell you this. Every God thing is a good thing. God things will only elevate you. God things will only bless you. God things will only propel you into destiny and purpose. God things will only cause fruit. He said, I want you to understand if your heart is crowded, it will choke out what I've got for you. But this is what I want for you. I want you to have a fruitful heart. I want the soil of your life to be right. So that when a seed goes down, oh, it may not come up overnight because sometimes the things that are rooted deep take a while to mature. The things that I'm building in you take a while to mature and the seed may go deep and it may take long to come forth, but when it comes forth, the enemy can't take it. When it comes forth, the devil cannot steal it. When it comes forth, the naysayers cannot mock you enough to steal it from you because there's a fruit. You say, well, pastor, what type of fruit will it bear? I'm glad you you ask. Galatians chapter 5 tells me this, but the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit like this. Love. Somebody say love. Love. Joy. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience. I need to work on that one. (laughs) Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Got quiet. Self-control. 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 I begin to produce grace because I've received grace. I want to be a purveyor of grace because I need much grace. He said all of a sudden humility begins to come forth. I begin to walk in favor. Faith begins to build and God begins to do a work only if my heart soil is right. But if my heart is hard, it does not produce anything. If it is shallow, it only produces for a season. If it's cluttered, things begin to choke the life out and the other voices in my life begin to drive me but when the soul is right and the Holy Spirit can work in my life and I begin to deny myself all of a sudden a harvest begins to release out of me and he said this harvest is beyond your expectation friend the power of one seed is amazing the power of one word is amazing when you realize what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each of us beyond what we thought beyond what we knew we say father condition my heart father let the enemies of my heart be silence. Let them be defeated. Father, let grace abound. Let the things of the kingdom come forth. And Father, I pray that I am rich soil. I pray, Father, that the things that you have desired in me begin to come forth. Why? Because I believe that my best is yet. I don't know about you, but I believe there is still better in my future and greater days ahead. And my family is called to rise up and possess in authority. And when you begin to believe that, you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Let's, let's stand this afternoon. We're going to pray in just a moment. You know, Dr. Tim Hill came about six years ago and he wrote a, a book called Living Life at the Speed of Favor based out of Amos. And for the very first time, just before the book was getting ready to release, he told a story in this church. He said there was a young stuntman named Michael Brady and Michael Brady was a specialist. He would dive out of moving objects onto other moving objects, even out of helicopters or out of airplanes and land on moving trains. Said he was going to prepare for Universal Studios on their lot 
a stunt with a moving train. And when he went out to make sure all the harnessing and rigging was right, he crawled up on the train, and when he gripped the railing, he slipped and fell back and broke his neck. And it killed him instantly. Rushed him to the hospital. When they got him there, they realized he was an organ donor. And so they began to harvest his organs. In Chicago, there was a man named Bill Wall, decades older than Michael, but they were a match. They flew Michael's heart from L.A. to Chicago. By Bill's own admission, he was overweight, out of shape, driven only by success and making money. Poor habits had led to a destructive lifestyle. In his early age, he began to have heart attacks and it damaged his heart so by 40 he was in need of a heart transplant. Finally, the match came. They flew the heart. They put it in Bill. It inspired Bill so much that this heart from someone he did not know had never met had been placed on him and prolonged his life that it challenged him to get in shape, change his habits. He said, I even sold my company where I was working 80 and 90 hours a week, started working part-time. And he said, finally, life seemed to find balance. Six months to a year after they had lifted some of the restrictions, and privacy rules, he got a letter in the mail with a picture. It said, we are the family of Michael Brady and the heart that you have in your chest belonged to him. We would love to meet you. So finally, being overwhelmed, he made a trip to LA, secured a place to meet. So they arrived and the family came in and they shared memories and stories, laughter, tears. So they got up to leave and the older gentleman came over to me and said, can I speak to you for just a moment? I said, sure. He said, you know, Michael was more than a son. He was my best friend. I taught him how to play baseball. Taught him how to fish. We shared everything. And the day he died, my heart broke. He said, I brought this stethoscope. And this may feel awkward or seem awkward. But would you allow me to place this on your chest and hear the heartbeat of my son one more time? He said, I unbuttoned my shirt. This older gentleman put on the stethoscope and he placed it on my heart. He said he began to cry. I began to cry. And that's an amazing story about how one human preserved and gave life to another. But you know, the reality is that's what Jesus did on the cross. He was the first organ donor. He died so that you might have his heart.
And I believe if there was maybe a celestial stethoscope, God would say, if I put it up to you, would I hear the heartbeat of my son? Would it beat for broken people? Would it beat for the lost? Would it beat for the less fortunate? Would it beat for a lost generation? Would it beat for the things of the kingdom? The reality is, God wants your heart to beat with all that he designed it for. And he wants to produce a harvest in you and a harvest in me. I want you to do something. We're going to pray, then we're going to receive communion. We're going to worship for a moment. I want you to take your hand today and just hold it out. Just look at it. I, I know this is your hand, but just imagine that this would be the hand of God. And I know we're not talking about the small muscle inside our chest. But I want you to take your hand and lay it over your heart today. There's many great heart physicians. My father has one of the greatest in this whole region. But as great as he is and as great as a surgeon that can do a heart transplant, there is a greater physician. And his name is Jesus. And he begins to work in you. So this this is the hand of God. This is your heart. And if there's any enemies of your heart, if there's any heart condition, if there's anything causing you not to be in the way God has designed you to. So Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your word. I thank you for challenging us. I thank you for your spirit that's been in every service here all day long. And Father, I thank you, Father, that you are working and You are challenging us. I thank you, Father, over this last month, we realize there's some enemies that would try to combat our heart, destroy our destiny, and even sideline us from what you've declared for us. So, Father, I pray once again, you would just allow us to examine ourselves by your word, by your spirit. Father, just work in us. Father, I pray like the psalmist prayed. Give me a pure heart. Renew the spirit that's within me. Let me see you, Father, in a greater way. Father, if there's anything, Father, that is trying to infiltrate, Father, we just pray, Father, that you would work in it. Father, I bless you today in Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayers that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. 
We also want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday or Wednesday worship experiences. You can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc. You can also download the City Life app on your smartphones or tablets for more online messages. It was great worshiping with you today.